0: What really cool music should be playing for our podcast? Which it's my band. I'm ready. Welcome to the Coffee Theology and Jesus Podcast. I am your host, Tim Whitaker, joined here by the ever stunning, ever scar headed Rob Big Michael.
1: Hello listeners.
0: <laughs> Rob, I got to say, you know, you had an a- an accident a few months ago or about a, what 2 months ago now. Yeah, about 2 months. Your head is looking mighty fine. Oh, right, thank you. It's healing it's healing nicely. So, it looks like just a little bit of road rash.
1: Yeah, just a little bit. All right, cool.
0: Um Rob, let's get right into it cuz this is an action-packed non-stop train here because there are so many things I want to talk about. I mean, I am over my brain's overflowing with just things to talk about. So, mm-hmm. Um, let's start with the easy stuff first. What are we drinking today for coffee, Rob? <laughs> uh, Folgers instant.
1: Coffee. Ooh, man! <laughs> One step down from the usual Folgers. Yeah, so. uh, yeah. You couldn't think it could get any worse than Folgers. No, it did. But we did.
0: Well, that's not true. I actually used. I actually bought a can of Shoprite instant coffee.
1: Okay, you went worse.
0: That was pretty Pretty bad. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Um, I still have it. It's still good. I think the expiration is like
1: 2090. No, no, no. It was never good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, so yeah, that's what we're drinking today. In in, in the Starbucks mug, might I add. Right. We had to um,
1: give it a little class. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Listen, let's hop right into it. Like I said, action packed. I want to start off with uh, with our our brand new segment, our second installment, and I will make some cool intro for this at some point. I just don't know when. Christians in the news. I want to get to that, and the reason why is because I am flat. Well, I'm not <laughs> flabbergasted. I can't be. I'm numb. I'm numb these days, Rob. Um, just when I think that um that uh you know the the Christian culture couldn't get cheesier or worse. It it never ceases to fail me. So let me tell you this story. So I'm on my, uh, my, my Apple TV, and I'm on the, the movie trailer section. And for anyone who's ever done that, you can really get lost in trailers because it recommends new trailers to watch every time you've watched the trailer. So I'm going through. I started with Batman versus Superman. I was I started with that one. I went down to Star Wars. I mean, I was just going through. But then you start getting, getting into like these more obscure titles, things that you never heard of that are coming
1: out in like two days. I- I'm laughing because I know where he's going. And going from Batman to where he's going, right. is It's very, very. I don't strange. know how
0: I got there. It well, it was just kind of like a one thing after another. It's kind of like on YouTube when you start looking at at, at at you know kitten videos and then you end at you know neuroscience surgery or something crazy like that. It's very um, true. Yeah, so it's the same thing. So anyway, so I'm I'm watching this trailer, and in my recommendations is God's Not Dead Two, Two Rob, as if one wasn't enough. As if, as if one movie with the Newsboys is not enough. Oh no, the second one is coming. Now I will preface. I will say I have not watched the first one. I probably should. All right. Oh,
1: you didn't even watch the first one after your Facebook comment.
0: Well, Rob, I've <laughs> never tried heroin either to know that. It, I don't need to know that, to know that <laughs> it's addictive. <laughs> okay, I don't need to try certain things to know I'm not gonna enjoy it. All right. Okay. So, so here I am. I had to click on it. I had to. So I clicked on the trailer and man, was it every Christian stereotype in the book. I mean, here's here's the preface of the trailer. It's first off, it's Melissa Joan Hart. That's hilarious. She used to be on Sabrina the Teenage Witch, oh, which my by the way, shows. I wasn't allowed to watch as a good Christian child because it was, you know, so evil. But anyway, so it's her. She's a teacher, okay? And the trailer starts out innocent enough. And the whole premise is that she's a teacher in a high school and a student. um, She's talking about nonviolence, Um, to her students and a student raises her hand and says, isn't that what Jesus was like or something to that effect? And she answers, yes, that's what Jesus was like. And apparently some student didn't like that. She said the word Jesus. So the trailer hints that he texts someone or, you know, like, like his parent or something like that. And then the parent makes a big deal out of it. And then the next scene, um, is just, uh, is, is, you know, Melissa Joan, what's her name? Hart. Um, in the principal's office being asked, did you say the name Jesus? And she's like, well, if you mean did I answer the question, then yes, I did say his name. And then the music gets all, like, depressing and intense. And then all of a sudden the ACLU is getting involved and, you know, like the big bad lawyers there. And he even says, he's like, I don't like what any of these people stand for. It's, it's like a classic, like, stereotype of every, like, Christian fear ever to the extreme. All right, so that was the trailer, and it, oh, it got so bad, Rob. How, and now, here's the thing: when I posted about that, you disagreed with me. You thought it was a good trailer.
1: Well, well let's preface this: <laughs> I didn't say it was a good trailer. I just said I was just making the point that it wasn't that far off from from real truth. Go on. So, especially in New Jersey, where we're from, the great state of New Jersey. Uh, I was talking to Julia's cousin recently, and she was saying that one of her students, her, his mom or dad passed away recently. I couldn't remember which. And she was saying her frustration because she couldn't even say to that child, I'm praying for you, your mother's in a better place, um, we're thinking about the family. You you couldn't say any of those things that would— Wait, uh, you couldn't say, I'm thinking about the family? You could say that. Okay. I'm sorry.
0: But, but no spiritual like, no, yeah. connotation.
1: No spiritual connotation, no afterlife, no beliefs or religion could be imposed on that child. Okay. Which is kind of ridiculous. Uh, here's a you know, kindergarten age student and his mom just died and you're not even allowed to comfort him with words of comfort that Facebook used. Hashtag pray for Paris we weren't allowed to say that.
0: Right. But at the same time, though, that's for any religion. It doesn't matter if she was a Christian, if she was Muslim, if she was Jewish, she couldn't use any religious speech to comfort the child, right? Right. Which might, you're right, that on that level, that is a little silly, but the movie is not talking about religion It's talking about Christianity in particular, you know? And then, of course, Newsboys shows up. Newsboys made the movie, the second movie. Newsboys is back in the movie singing their song, which isn't even their song. They covered it from another guy who covered it from another guy. Oh, that frustrates (laughs) me so much. Uh, Anyway, but, okay, I I understand that. But do you really think, you honestly think that if a teacher said the word Jesus in context, which which is what the movie shows— That somehow this becomes this big persecution. And that's the thing, too. They pitch it as like a persecution thing. Like, oh, woe is her. She's being persecuted for her faith. You know, all of a sudden, it also, the trailer also insinuates that like a pastor gets arrested. Now, it doesn't say that he's a pastor, but the way it kind of shows it, it kind of leaves you wondering if he is or not. So, my point, though, is that it just shows. All these Christian fears, and it just feeds it. Like it just feeds the fear. Like oh, the ACLU's in it, the big bad ACLU, which by the way, no one gets mad at the ACLU when they fight for them. Which they have. They have taken up Christian cases in certain contexts, right. and they fought. But no one mentions that. You know, I don't know. To me, it just it drives
1: me wild. And and to that point, I do agree. It was it was over the top. But I think the Karens, the underlying Karens are there.
0: All right, Uh, I I would concede some of those points, but I would argue that it's that as far as I am aware, most of it is religion in general. It's not just specifically Christianity. However, most people in America claim to be Christians, so that could be also why we see it kind of more under fires because it just happens to be that most of the people's belief system happens to be a Christian belief system. You know, but my point still stands. What I don't understand, and we have to move on in a few minutes, is that I don't know what this accomplishes to me this 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 just keeps dividing people it puts one side on side a the other side on side b and they're never going to agree it paints the atheist and like you know the liberal agenda in some really negative light it treats the the good christian who said the name jesus in school as like some hero and like you know some big you know um, downtrodden person who's just being persecuted for their faith for saying the name jesus i mean it's so dramatic which I guess is the point of a movie, but when it's these topics, I don't know what it solves. What does that solve?
1: I, I don't think it solves anything, and I think it will actually probably touch on this exact topic later when we talk about uh, other topics t- tonight, but it, it, it's causing more divisions, and it's causing issues like we talked about before on this podcast, Kim Davis. Yes. It, it, this is one of the byproducts of that, that kind of situation. Yeah, no, I, you know, that's a great point. I couldn't
0: agree with you more. But anyway, I just wanted to start off with that. Like, I just can't, I can't believe it. And that's why it's so, sometimes so disheartening because it's so clear in scripture everywhere that we are called to be the salt of the earth, not like the irritant of the earth. <laughs> you know, we're not, we're not, we're not here to pour bleach in the eyes. You know, we're here to soothe and to show light. And when we, when we make these movies that have these agendas that really put people groups against each other, you don't, you don't build bridges that way. You end up burning bridges. So it just furthers the divide, which is aggravating, aggravating because someone's got to be the bigger person and the Christian is called to be the bigger person. And I oftentimes mean, they don't.
1: I mean, the Lord himself said, if you're going to a town, he was talking to his disciples, if you're going to a town and they're they're." In your face, objecting the gospel, shake the dust off your sandals and go move on. Right. He didn't say, all right, now start a protest, make movies, and make sure that you really shove it down their throats. Right.
0: No, I agree with you. Okay, let's move on. Um, So that is our uh, segment number two in the books now, Christians in the News, things that grind my (laughs) gears. Um, Okay, so everyone, first off, thanks again for tuning in. Um, This is... A really, for me, a really important podcast. And I want to do, I I know Rob and I both want to do our best to be clear and articulate, but there's so much to handle that we're going to try and condense a lot into one hour, because this is the episode that we really want to talk about, um, really the Paris attacks, terrorism, um, gun control, even, you know, politics and how how that's been coming really more and more of a big player into this conversation. Um, So there's a lot to get to, but I want to start off uh, man, I almost don't even don't know where to start, uh, honestly, Rob. There's so much. Hmm. Well, okay. Let's start with this. I mean, obviously, we were all kind of stunned with with, with the Paris attacks. Yeah, definitely. Um, Which our prayers are definitely still out to those families. And even there were attacks in Africa after that. I mean, there's a there's been a lot going on. A big resurgence, it seems like. Yeah. Um. From from ISIS, at least in the media spotlight, because they kind of were on the map for a while. Then they kind of had a lull. As far as we were aware, that, that right. you know that, that doesn't mean that necessarily they were stagnant, but as far as we were concerned, there wasn't much happening. And then the Paris attacks happened, which I think is the most violent attack, um, terrorism attack, with the most casualties in the history of Paris, uh, or, of France, and um and that kind of relights this whole conversation all over again. And so from there, now we move into maybe, what, a month later? Now we had this attack in California, in in San Bernardino, um, that when I heard it happening, I I got, like, CNN pushes, you know, notifications over to my watch, and I saw that it said active shooter situation, and I just thought, oh, please don't let it be a terrorist attack. I mean, (laughs) just make it some old white guy, so it's just a one-off thing, and we we can talk about the gun control situation on a whole different, you know, again, but just don't tell me that it's extremist, you know, under... Under the pretense of some radical strain of Islam. At least that's what they're claiming, you know? But it turns out that's pretty much what it was. And there's no getting away, there's no denying that fact. I mean, these right. people were radicalized perhaps even years ago, and they did plan this attack. And it really starts to make you wonder like, well, you know, this is a whole new time for a lot of us. I mean, 9 11 kind of started, at least our generation's view of this, but this is like, a, this is kind of like around two. I mean, I, I was 11. Or, or ten, I think, when nine eleven happened, so I was still pretty young. But now this is happening when I'm thinking about getting married. When I'm well, when I am getting married, you know, when you have a kid, and so I think in your head it's got to put this situation in a whole new light for you, you know, because now you have other people that are respo- that you're responsible for that you to, that are growing up in this world that is frankly very dangerous. Right. And it's interesting to me because. Um, in one sense, statistically, we still live in a very low, you know, um, a low, a low chance of you being killed by, like, you know, a mass gunman or something like right. that. It's still statistically extremely low, and it is one of the safest times of the entire world, which uh, in, in, in the in the history of the world, which made me really think about how sheltered we've been as a nation to have so much peace throughout the years. Um, but now we're kind of being, I think, awakened to a whole new side of, of of really humanity that we've been kind of insulated from, you know? So my question is, you know, let's go ahead and just start with, 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 with the, with terrorism, you know, and my concern isn't so much how the government is called to respond because that's not my job. You know, I'm not the government. And I do believe that that the Bible is clear that, that the government does have a role to protect its citizens. Absolutely. How it does that, that's a much deeper issue that we'll get into later on. Um, but the role as a Christian, that's what I'm concerned about here because I think that sometimes we don't realize that the role of the Christian should not have the same ideology as the role of the government because we're not called to be a government. We're called to be the body of Christ reaching out to the world. So as far as terrorism is concerned, what do you think is the Christian response? I mean, that that's a really loaded question, Rob, there's no doubt, but where does it start for the Christian in America? Because frankly, some of the responses I've seen on Facebook, on all those things, they're a little disheartening because they're very aggressive and I understand why, don't get me wrong my initial gut reaction for everyone out there listening is to take up arms and just go blow people up. That's what I want to do. I want to fly over, drop some bombs and call it a day, but that's not the heart of Christ. And so the problem becomes when, when my heart, um, doesn't reflect the heart of Christ, it starts reflecting the heart of culture, which is revenge. And how do we fight back? And how do we exterminate? How do we clear out this, this, this terrible evil, we're calling it in the world. And, Yes, you're absolutely right. It is evil. What ISIS is doing, make no mistake, on the record, it's pure evil. There's no way around it. They're beheading people. They're raping women. It's bad. It's not good. And they are killing people all over the world without any mercy, period. So it's definitely something that needs to be addressed. But how does the Christian respond to it? That's my question.
1: And I think you you hit on a a lot of good points that the Christian shouldn't respond how we expect the government to respond. The government... Is responsible to take care of a nation, to guard its people, to have the people's interest in its mind. That's not really my job to do. I'm I'm not gonna, you know, be the one in my neighborhood that has a gun and I start shooting up people as people are po- approaching houses. That's not right. It's not gonna be my job. But I think the Christian's response is first and foremost the gospel, because at the end of the day. Political policy, uh, war, anything like that is not going to change the mind of someone who's steeped in a, in a practice where they say, This is how I'm serving God. This is how I'm serving Allah. I'm doing it by uh, these acts of terrorism. You're not going to stop that with political policy because just like you and I, political, if, if uh, the government of the U.S. decided, Hey, you're not allowed to gather as a church anymore or you're not allowed to preach the gospel. I'm still going to do it because Christ called me to do it. That's right. And so we have to look at them in the same mindset that we would look at ourselves. They're doing what they feel they are called to do. And until they have a change of mind or a change of heart, and that only comes about by the gospel, it's really not going to change for them, for those people.
0: No, I mean, absolutely. So as Christians, what's the response? And I get, I get so just sad a lot of times because I get it. Like I, I'm a human I I want to preserve my own life like it's a natural instinct I want to preserve the life of my family and in and really honestly Rob in one respect when, when you're married and you have a child you know your covenant is to them like I have an obligation to protect my family that's yeah, why absolutely. I'm going to have a gun in my house like it's going to I don't want to have one I wish I didn't I wish that I didn't have to have one but you know what when someone breaks into the house it's up to me to defend them because it's not their decision if I lived alone and it was just me that's a whole different ballgame we're talking about as far as even pacifism goes or you know being someone. Who who wants to be at peace and would give up their life for the for the intruder? But when you have a family, your responsibility has got to be to them first. You know, right. and I think Christ supports that absolutely. You know, he it's it's so clear in the Bible that when you have a, a child or a wife, like you're supposed to love them as Christ loved the church, and Christ definitely defends his church. There's no doubt about that. You know, so I understand that mindset. But what is upsetting is the ideology that I'm seeing for, um, fueling like so much extremism on the right-wing side that's coming from so many Christians. So many Christians. A great example of that, and we're, here we are, uh, here, here we are, is Donald Trump. Donald Trump, for, for those of you who don't know this, which I'm sure you do, is a proclaimed, I believe, Presbyterian. Let me double-check that. I think it's that or it's Methodist, but it's one of those. He claims to be a Protestant. So I want you guys to think about this, especially for my listeners out there who are big Donald Trump supporters, which, by the way, has been growing, which is also alarming. But... A Christian who, who wants to close off the borders to an entire people group, who wants to start moderating, uh, 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 monitoring um, mosques, who wants to start just banning people, and who, who has those views, there's nowhere in scripture that supports that. And it, it also, I'm going to add in our constitution, but that's a whole different subject, but Donald Trump is a very mean-spirited man. It's very clear if you watch him in the debates. He's very shrewd. He's right. very he's very cold. He's very calloused. He he says things to even his own candidates, like on on his own team, that are really just they're below the belt. Oh, definitely all the time, um, all the time. In fact, one one time um, at one of his events, one of his protesters that was protesting his event got pretty beat up by some people in the crowd, and his response was that the person deserved it. So Donald Trump does not at all have any any glimpse or any really um, image of God on him as far as I'm concerned regarding how he acts. You know, it's so frustrating to see someone claim to be really a Christian because that's what he's claiming to be, but have such an anti-Christian message that other Christians agree
1: with. And I think part of that is Christians are responding not in love but in fear. Yeah. So there's this whole the media is doing it. Um, talk show hosts are doing it. Uh, Facebook is doing it. Everyone is sewing this cord of fear in everyone's head. Right. So when they see a Muslim, they don't think, "Hey, this is somebody who needs the gospel." They think, right. "This is somebody who's going to kill me." Right. Right. And that's not it at all. Then that if that's our our mindset about every person that we come in contact with. Yeah, we're going to live very very sad lives and very fearful lives. Well, let
0: me also add this. This is from a guy, for you Christians out there, you might have heard of him. His name is Jesus. (laughs) All right. Here's what he says when it comes to enemies, which, by the way, enemies, especially in his time, also wanted to chop your head off and imprison you forever. So he says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Guys, there's no there's no out of context. This is just the words of Jesus, and this is so this is so key for this time that we are called not to live in fear, not to live out of anger, not to want to repay evil for evil, but to love our enemies. That's a big deal, and it's amazing because some of the people that I know who are this, who are the most for Trump and the most for banning all Muslims and are and, 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 and are the most supportive for you know bombing. Middle Eastern countries are the ones who claim to be the most theologically accurate. Like they're the ones who claim to go to these Bible believing churches that, that just follow just the scripture. Well, then follow the scripture. Even if it's hard, trust me, my instinct is not to love the, the, the terrorists. It's not, I don't want to love them. I just don't, but I'm called to. And that's what I'm trying to drill into people's heads is that, listen, I don't care what you feel. I don't care what logic you want to put together. Christ makes it a hundred percent clear. We're called to love our enemies. No ands, ifs or buts there's no there's no stipulations, there's no certain you know um, things that, that he says well excluding this person or excluding this type of person, it just says love your enemies. Why is it such a hard thing for Christians to grasp? I think you nailed it, Rob, it's because they want to live in fear. the media hypes everything up. I mean CNN, you guys see some of their headlines you know terror <laughs> everywhere, you right. know the the oh the horror scene I mean things that make you freak out. Yeah, I, I get it. But as Christians, we are called to rise above. Uh, we're called to rise above.
1: And I, I was reading some things over the past couple of weeks and months. And one was from uh, some missionaries that have been working in Turkey and, and in the Middle East for many, many years. They actually got kicked out of Turkey for, uh, for their great testimony of the gospel at one point. And so they're not living there anymore, but they were just proclaiming, you know, this how how the gospel is actually flourishing in the Middle East, and it's because the Islams that are peace peaceful Islams, it it peaceful Muslims, it they exist. Right. There's, there's lots of right. Them. I met one today at work. I helped her set up her computer. <laughs> she was great. <laughs> and so there, there's the this whole group of Muslims that are looking at what the radicalists are doing and the atrocities that are going on and they're saying, I don't want anything to do with that. If that's really what this religion teaches that I'm involved in, I don't want anything to do with this. And there are, like, millions of people converting to Christ.
0: Yes, absolutely. And that's, again, something that Christians don't take into account. You know, I see so much of this just stereotyping. um, And, I mean, there's so much debate, and I get it. There's no way you and I are going to touch the subject of what Islam really teaches because I just don't know enough. I don't know, know enough to be an authority on the issue in any kind of public matter. But what I can tell you is that there are billions of peaceful Muslims, all the way across the board who want peace and who have, who have actually helped out the U.S. government internally when it comes to uncovering certain terrorist rings or, or, or things. I read, a whole, I, read, I read a whole article on that earlier today. So there are good people out there which is why Donald's, Donald Trump's remarks are, are so upsetting and frustrating coming not only just from some crazy guy but from a, a guy who really claims to have a you know a Christian background. Is that what our faith te- uh, teaches? Because it doesn't, and that's that's also the irony here is that Christians are so quick to point out how you know um, how how um, Islam doesn't treat women right, and you know how they're you know they, they breed terrorism, but we're not willing to look at at the log in our eye that we, that we are kind of just continuing to um, to kind of to kind of uh, I guess teach or you know speak about, which is we don't want anyone in our country, and you know I I, I own the, I have the right to kill someone if they come into my house. I get that, but that's not what Christ would teach, you know. And, and I get, I get defense, I get all that. We talked about that earlier, but that's still not the the views of Christ. Christ says that we lay our lives down for the ungodly, you know. Christ says that we that that we lay our lives down for our enemy. I mean, that's a really big deal. And so we have this this big self preservation um, need as humans, which I understand. And then. Our country are so divided politically among left and right, and then you have these Christians. Some are left wing, but the majority are right wing. I mean, there's just no way around it. Right. If you pulled all the Christians in the U.S., the majority are right wing Christian uh, Christians, um, who somehow have managed to trick themselves into believing that that they are are Christ followers who also support crazy things like banning all Muslims from the U.S. I right. mean. I am just so flabbergasted about how pick-and-choosy – these are the same people who bash Joel Osteen for preaching a certain gospel, but the gospel that they preach isn't accurate either because right. – I'm like, what Bible are we isn't reading Isn't a gospel out of? at all. Right. It's really not because the gospel has got to be the center of everything, and if it's not, this is what happens, right? If, 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 if your mentality is, okay, well, I go to church every Sunday. I'm a good Christian. Of course, this is the result we get because the theology is not deep. The gospel is radical, man. It's a radical movement that not everyone can, can really live through. In a sense, you know, it's it's a big deal. I mean, think about all the disciples. None of them really died happy deaths. None of them. None of them. None of them died in hospital beds. You know, among loved ones. They were crucified upside down. They were boiled alive. They were you know beheaded pretty stoned. ugly they were stoned pretty ugly deaths yet we look at that and we think well that's not for us that was you know back then but in our country in America we have to fight for our rights but the bible teaches the opposite about laying down our rights so this whole contradiction between certain political views and the in the Bible that are not compatible somehow we've tried to make compatible and all we've come out looking like is a bunch of hypocrites
1: and this is this is one of the reasons why I always stress to people that I talk to. They say, "Well, America is a Christian nation." No, it isn't. Stop saying that. Right. But by saying that, we also are portraying this this image that all of our politicians are there for Christians. Our government is there for Christian. Right. All of our policies are there for Christian. Right. So the uh, the Muslim world is looking at us and saying, "This is how Christians treat us." Right. This is how the followers of Christ treat those that are different from them. However, if we, like you were saying, if we really believe the gospel, if the gospel was uh, part and parcel with who we are, then we would not be treating them with fear and hate and saying, we don't want you in our country. The Christians and the local churches throughout America would be saying, we welcome you. We love you. We want to see your best. We right. we know that you're not trying out there trying to kill us. Right. And instead when they look at the 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 horrific acts of uh radical Islam, they would say, I don't want anything to do with that. But my goodness, these Christians over here are right. treating me with such respect and love despite what I'm associated with by not by works, right. but just by, by we're in the same religion. Right, right, just by definition, you know, because ISIS proclaims
0: that. You know, we, we can say that ISIS is not Islamic, whatever, but but ISIS proclaims to be Islamic. Right. And it's something that Islam has to deal with. Just like how as Christians, we have to deal with Westboro Baptist Church. <laughs> yeah. You know, none of us like them, and I don't even call them Christians, but they, they call themselves Christians. So by definition, I'm associated with them, and I have to do everything I can exactly. to distance myself as much as possible, right? So it's the same kind of thing. Thing here um what's also interesting too is that it makes you wonder do christians really trust that 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 god's in control of their life because you know listen i had to do some soul searching myself because after the attacks happened i, I kind of got freaked out i'm thinking well am i if, I, if i'm not work, am i just, am i gonna, gonna get just mowed down one day or if i'm if i'm driving is someone just gonna go ahead and you know just start opening fire and in the middle of traffic like i could lose my life and then i re- i thought about it and i thought you know I thought if God is really in control of my life, then he's the one who says when I come and go, not man. So do I really trust that God has a plan for the rest of my life to, uh, on, on earth and that he's the author and finisher of my life and not, not terrorism, not, you know, not, not sickness, but God is. That was a thought I had as well. You know, it, it made me kind of have to rethink personally, internally and think, do I really trust that God is writing this story and that he will sustain me through even
1: dangerous times? I have to. And it reminds you of the words of Jesus Christ himself. Fear not, for I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. It's not saying, well, except when the terrorists come, because then I'm out. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's true. He's there always. Right. And it's always for our best, always for our benefit. Yeah, there there are going to be times where things like this happen, but it's not out of God's control, as you were saying. It reminds me of uh, Noah. And Noah... Facing this judgment, facing something that was far out of his control, but he had the promise of God that he was going to get him through it. Right. And so it came to the end and God reminded him, okay, I know you've just went through this terrible event, but I want you to fill the earth. I want you to multiply. I want you to have children still and go and multiply throughout the earth. And that was something that was comforting to me because Julie and I have had the discussion before. Man, do we even want to bring children into this world? Right. But we got to reflect on Noah, and after such a horrible time, a horrible judgment, God said to Noah, look, it's good for you to bring children into this world. I want you to multiply. I want you to fill the earth. Right. We still have that same promise now. Yeah. God's not saying, you know what, this is a little too out of control. I was Don't ready bring for children this. into this. I
0: wasn't planning this, you know, absolutely not. Yeah, you're completely correct. Um, that was something that Sarah and I had to talk about when we were planning our honeymoon. And I was, you know, we were kind of like, well, do we go on a cruise? Like, what happens if someone's on the cruise and wants to do some serious harm? We're on a cruise in the middle of the ocean. And I said, you know, I said, you know what though? I don't want to live in fear. I don't want to let other people dictate, you know, things I I choose to do or not because of the fear of something bad happening. I mean, if I lived like that with everything, I would never leave the house. No. You know, what if I get into a car accident? What if I meet someone who wants to do me ill harm? So that mentality of living in fear is exactly what. What groups like ISIS, groups like those, you know, those those terrorist groups want want us to do, but the way that that we really kind of conquer that, in my opinion, is we, we just don't we do our best not to live in fear, not not to give in, and we respond the right way. Now, I also want to reiterate that for people out there listening, that that these views are. I'm not saying that our government should have these views. I understand that. In fact, in Romans 13, the government does not bear the sword for nothing. You know, governments do have certain responsibilities for sure to protect their people. But when it comes to the Christian view, Christians, I'm sorry, politics take a second step. They have to take a second back seat. They, those views have got to be consistent with, with your theological view, in my opinion. So if I was a politician, I would have to go against Donald Trump's plan and find some other plan, you know? I've, obviously, I believe in keeping people safe completely. But as a Christian, I couldn't I couldn't advocate for the banning of so many – a whole people group just because of a few rotten apples in the group. Right. And it literally is like trying to find a needle in a haystack. So why am I going to ban everyone else? That makes no sense, you know? But I just wanted to say that as, as we go on to make sure that we're on the same page that, you know, I understand that, that the government – to a degree, has got to be armed and has got to protect its citizens. It has a due diligence to do that. Um, But as the Christian, we should be the ones consistently fighting for the underdog, fighting for the ones who are the most disenfranchised, like the Syrian refugees. Right. And that's something else I want to talk about a little bit. You know, this whole thing, again, I mean, just with the Sean Hannity's and the Rush Limbaugh's, they're just so—those guys are such loud, annoying megaphones because— they are just—they're they're in the ear of so many people, and the majority of them, again, are Christian people. I'm sorry. It's just the truth. And people can say, well, you know, really quick quick on a side note, people will tell me, well, you're really hard on Christians. That's because they're allowed, and they say the most stuff. Like, I'm sorry. Sean Hannity claims to be a Christian. So if you're going to claim that, I'm going to hold you accountable to what you talk about. It's just the way it goes. And,
1: yeah, and I'm not going to hold a secular right. world accountable to biblical principles right. either.
0: exactly. So I don't understand. But anyway, so— you know the syrian refugee crisis became another issue because when when the attacks from paris happened um it turned out that a few of them um tried to get through the refugee process you know uh and so of course this many politicians you know and a lot of governors shut down their uh their borders to refugees over here in the states but the problem with that is twofold one the refugee like vetting process i read this earlier is 18 to 24 months right. and requires several major interviews and i don't mean like oh i'm I'm applying to mcdonald's interviews i'm talking about they're vetting everything known associates known contacts where you used to live why you got it you know why you're not there anymore checking out other stories to make sure everything uh, is corroborated it is a big deal to to get admitted into the u.s as a refugee you know but once again i just feel like when we when we allow certain political talk show hosts to kind of use that to fuel Reasoning for their political agenda. Well, they could be terrorists. Are you kidding me? The chances of of, of an actual terrorist sneaking through the refugee process is so slim to none. How about the bigger issue? And the bigger issue is that a few few of the people um, who were responsible for Paris... They were, were nationals. They were uh, France nationals and also Belgium nationals as well with those passports, which means that they can come on a plane at any time, hop over to the U.S. There's no vetting process. They get asked at, at the gate, you know, why are you here, yada, 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 and you're in. That's a much bigger hole to fill, in my opinion, than a, than a few thousand refugees, 100%. Right. So you know, here we are again. Though so many Christians, well, they shouldn't be here. You know, they can't be here. They're you know only the Christian ones should be in. That is so anti gospel. Jesus tells the story of uh, of the Good Samaritan. That's like the biggest like racial. You know, like middle finger that you could possibly think of in that time because the Samaritan was the, the, the ugly one. They were the ones who no one wanted to talk to. So, so telling a, a story about how a good holy priest passed by and this other good guy passed by, but the really ugly, dirty Samaritan, he actually helped out the man and paid for his medical bills, that was pretty insulting, probably, to his audience. So, again, bringing it back here to the refugee crisis, here we are, again, drawing lines in the sand. Oh, oh, well, no, only the Christian ones, because we only trust the Christians. By the way, Christians have been stoning gay people in Africa for quite some time in the past, like, 10 years. So that's a big issue as well. Right. I don't know if Christians are aware of that, but there's a video online. Yeah, Nominal Christians right, aren't the best people right, either. Stoning people because they're gay. Literally, as violent as we see on some of these, you know, terrorist videos that kind of circulate around the Internet, you have know, like beheadings and, you know, you know, stonings. Christians are doing that in Africa, so just so we're on the same page about that, we're not exactly this knight in shining armor all the time either. Um, but yeah, man, you know, it, I, I I'm kind of on a rant a little bit here, but I'm just so passionate about this because. If we're going to claim to be followers of Christ, we have got to be authentic as, as as authentic as we can. That's not saying that we're perfect or that somehow we have it all figured out. Of course not. But we're willing to do our best to try and live by just a certain biblical, you know, a certain theology that is known as the teachings of Christ. I mean, at a at a baseline level, that's like level one. Forget our views on you know you know whatever it is you know uh, um, you know pre millennium or tribulation times. I mean, that that's all secondary stuff. When it comes to, to just Christ-level teachings, that's something that any Christian would agree on is important to follow. Heck, even Islam sees Jesus as a great teacher. You right. know, so this is like this is like bare bones. And Jesus says, love your enemies, take care of the foreigner. When you go there, welcome people, be welcoming. All those things are in Scripture all over the place, and yet we can't do it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's very frustrating, especially for those that, uh, that live like Christ. And that's really what a what a Christian is. It's someone that is following Christ. And I think too many times we listen to talk show hosts, we listen to radio show hosts, and people have it go in one ear and then it comes right out the mouth. Completely. It yeah. never it never passes yeah. through the brain. Yeah. And what we should be doing is anything that we hear, we should say, Okay, well, does that line up with what the Scripture teaches? Does that line up right. with what Jesus taught? Right. And if it doesn't, then we shouldn't be ones that are propagating that either, and it shouldn't be something that is affecting our mind and affecting our actions and our emotions. Everything that we react to should first pass through the filter of Scripture and say, "Is am I going to react in the right way? Is my attitude towards this the right attitude to have? And if not then make a reality check and and get that attitude right yeah
0: look i get it man like the christian my 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 flesh so to speak little christianese there you know my flesh so to speak does not always agree with the teachings of christ that's the point of being a christian is that you're consistently warring against the flesh what does paul say the things i want to do i don't do the things i don't want to do i do do Oh, wretched man and i uh, am i that is the christian struggle so but why on this side of things, why when it comes to politics, why when it comes to, to how we treat, you know, people who want to do us harm, why all of a sudden is that no longer a struggle? Why don't we call that a struggle? You know, like it'd be one thing if someone said, Listen, I'm a Christian, I'm really struggling because I do want to just start, you know, bombing the Middle East and I do want to start, you know, having, you know, I I I, I, I wanna strike back. That's what I want to do. But I know I shouldn't. That's one thing. But just to be so like you know, brash and so in your face, like, well, how can anyone possibly disagree with this with this view? I'm a Christian and of course we should be over there bombing ISIS, you know, or whatever it is. It makes you think like, wait, what? Like, how is that not, how is that not at odds with each other? How is your, how is your Christian theology not at odds with that mindset of wanting to ban certain people groups or wanting to, to monitor, you know, certain religious areas or whatever else it is, you know, or you name it, you know, there's so many things, you know, um, how, how does that happen? And I'll be honest, because we're going to move into a little bit into, uh, to Jerry Falwell, when he said, um, when it, when it comes to gun control, I wrestle with that because on one end. I don't think that regulating guns somehow takes guns off the streets for criminals. I really don't believe that at all. On the other end, as a Christian, how do I answer that? You know, I don't want to. I don't want to fuel violence. But like we talked about earlier, I also want to be able to defend my wife and kids if I ever needed to. I I don't know where where my how I how I um, how I kind of align my Christian view and my personal thoughts on the matter to be kind of one because I don't want to. I don't want to be defenseless, and I don't believe in it. I don't believe that a gun-free society can ever exist. It's it's impossible. It's just a, it's a matter of fact, you know. And I do believe that in some of these recent shootings, including San Bernardino, that if someone was armed, maybe they would have been ended sooner. I do believe that that's definitely a possibility. But is it worth the risk of having more guns out there in the open at all? You know. So I don't know, but you know that was a quick side note but I, I want to transition a little bit because our time is flying um, into this is this is for me this is kind of like the biggest the, the big climax of, of of where I'm going with all this talk because Donald Trump I don't even think he would really claim to be a real Christian he would say well I'm a Christian in practice kind of like how a Catholic is not always a Catholic you know what I mean
1: right more of a nominal thing to get votes right yeah hey
0: I'm a Christian I grew up Methodist you know so I, whatever you know I still don't I don't agree with any of his views at all and it, it bugs me but what perhaps is the most alarming to me were the comments that Jerry Falwell made uh, when he spoke to Liberty University. Um, Liberty University, I believe, is the biggest Christian university in the world right now. In the world, They yep. have 100,000 students just in online um, academics um, right now, let alone their actual campus. Jerry Falwell, this is his son who was speaking, I guess Jer- Jerry Falwell Jr., I believe. Right. Um, Jerry Falwell, who started Liberty back in the 80s, is also responsible for the moral majority, which was what really started the the, the Christians getting politicized and getting more and more involved in, in the political process, which on a surface level is a very, in my opinion, good thing. I know, Rob, that you don't vote. That's a whole different discussion for another time. But I think that Christians should be participating in the process in some way. Um, but that quickly became... You know what we come to kind of know what Christians stand for now, which is that they're anti-abortion, anti-gay, you know, anti-terrorist, whatever it is. And in my opinion, anti-Muslim in a lot of ways as well now. Um, yeah. But Jerry Falwell, he's kind—he of, kind of started that movement. Well, Jerry Falwell Jr. recently spoke at Liberty University, um, and in it, he made some pretty alarming comments. Um, the biggest one that he made was that he pretty much said that um, that. That if we arm our students with guns, that we can, and I quote, end those Muslims. Now, to give Jerry Falwell the benefit of the doubt here, he did clarify later on, meaning just the two shooters who were responsible for the California attacks. However, in context, that that doesn't say that at all. What that says is that we want to end Muslims. That's what right. it tells people. And for the headline world and, and the Twitter world that we live in, that's what it says. Jerry Falwell wants to end Muslims by arming his students with guns. That's what it's telling them. You know, This, to me, is the most alarming because this is someone who is in charge of... Literally hundreds of thousands of young Christian minds, and his school is responsible for shaping their worldview. And there's nowhere in Scripture anywhere. Oh my gosh, I'm so, like, fired up over this. Because going back to just the simple words of Jesus of loving your enemies, it is so anti-that. How does he get on a stage, talk to his students, and say, you know, that if we armed our students with guns, we can end those Muslims, or if, if people in in that complex were were armed, we could have ended those Muslims? Like, what a poor choice of words. First off, right. Like, I mean, you're you're Jerry Falwell. You know the world's looking at you when you speak, and that's your choice of words. Terrible terrible i've had people defend him though and they say well he's a human too yes but he's in leadership and as james says leaders are held to a higher standard it's just that simple a double standard so i guess i I can double critique him no i'm just kidding um he then went on to say um that 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 his uh his college will offer free gun lessons to students um which isn't a bad thing i don't think it's a bad thing in fact i believe it's a good thing for a safer really a safer.
1: A safer country, but in the context, it wasn't a good thing but. yes,
0: that's right on a standalone thing absolutely if people learn to respect guns better, we have way less accidental death, accidental shootings, all that kind of stuff, but anyway, besides the point um and then he went on just to i mean a huge round of applause man the, the, when
1: when he made the comment of end those Muslims, the place erupted in cheers see i when I was listening i didn't get that I got like Half of the place was like yeah, the other half was like oh okay. Then
0: maybe maybe when maybe like on my speakers it just you know like sometimes right. bad speakers amplify sound that shouldn't be amplified, so <laughs> it could have been that. But I know at the end as well when he offered the the gun lessons, that was a huge round yes, of applause yeah, for sure. I agree. Um, so it's it's just very interesting to me though because again like. Is he fueling the fire? Is he kind of, in a sense, giving into what ISIS wants? I mean, I think ISIS wants us to really reject the Islam as a whole, so they can better recruit people to right. do what they want. You know, I like, see. I told you the West is turning against you. And, that kind of mentality. And par-
1: some of the articles that I was reading was um, that's that basically is part of the recruiting strategy. Is the ISIL and ISIS in the Middle East is looking. They th- So there's a whole history there of yeah. Christians coming in and really it was, they view the Western culture as Christian, the entire Western culture. Hmm. So us coming in and setting up our democracy is demeaning to them and saying, you don't deserve power. We're going to be the ones in power. We're going to say your rules. We're going to do this. And so they, they associate all of that with Christianity because they associate the West with Christianity. And so... When they come to America, which is supposedly the land of the free, which is supposedly a, this melting pot where we uh, accept everyone and we have all of these different beliefs and we can coexist, then the Christians, who they already have a negative view of because of what's going on in the Middle East, um, I should say nominal Christians, sure, um, then they start reacting with this unchristian Behavior, unchristian attitude, unchristian motives, even, and so they look and they say, "Wow, maybe, maybe what ISIL is teaching is correct—that these Christians actually want to end us too." Right. Right. It fuels the fire. And so, so they they kind of get on that bandwagon of yeah, maybe the word infidel isn't really that that far off. Right. Maybe ISIL's teaching really isn't that far off, and. Christians, in a sense, are pushing people away from the gospel and to something that is much more painful and much more detrimental to society. Absolutely.
0: That's that's completely correct. So I feel like we're fueling this fire. You know, I, I have the actual quote here. What Jerry said was, I've always thought that if more good people had concealed carry permits that then we can end those Muslims before they walked in. Then the police applauded and then he said and killed them. <laughs> so he made it pretty clear, you know, that if, if more people carried, we could have went in and just killed them while we could have. Then he also said um, we offer a free course for 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 gun permits and stuff like that. Let's teach them a lesson if they ever show up here. Again, the opposite of the Christian of the christ a response. What was it that Christ said on the cross? What were his, his final words, Father? Well, one of them. Some of them. <laughs> yeah, like, no, not it his is church. finished. <laughs> uh, nope, not, not that. Something else. No, but some of his finals, final final words were, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." It wasn't Father rain down fire from heaven and abolish them. Right. It wasn't Father take them out and smite them for years to come. It wasn't Father, you know you know, kill them. It wasn't any of that. It was forgive them for they know not what they do. I mean, how, how much more black and white can this be when you're looking at the words of what we claim to be the son of God, the guy who rose from the dead, who is equal with God. Those are his words that we believe because Jerry Falwell and myself included are very big on the Bible believing, being the inspired word of God. I'm hundred percent right. for that. I believe that. So if those are the words of God how can you say things like, let's teach them a lesson if they ever show up here? The opposite response should have been, honestly, this sounds crazy that we welcome Muslims with open arms, and we love to have them
1: here, to show yeah. them
0: our way of life. Absolutely. You know? that And have that dialogue.
1: Not, if you come here, we're going to shoot you. Right. <laughs> I,
0: I'll tell you what, if, 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 I, if, if I lived in a country where I was not the majority religion, I had a few wackos giving me a really bad name, and then one of the biggest colleges for the dominant religion of that country says hey um if they ever show up here we'll teach them a lesson i would never want to be within 30 miles of that place
1: 30 maybe 3000
0: <laughs> yeah maybe 3000 <laughs> but i'd be intimidated i would be fearful um and uh it's just definitely like it doesn't. It doesn't fix anything. You know. It doesn't. It doesn't work like that. You know. Someone gave me a great. Oh, I was reading uh, Shane Claiborne. I love Shane Cla- mm-hmm. uh, Claiborne. Uh, for those of you who don't know that, I love him. He's great. Shane, if you're <laughs> listening to this, come on on the episode on the podcast, man. I would love to interview you. So, um. But anyway, he brings up a great point that in the garden when uh, when Christ gets arrested, I think it was Peter who takes out his sword and chops off the guy's ear, mm-hmm. and Jesus stops him from doing that and heals the gentleman's ear. Shane interprets that really as, as like, you know, he had his gun and, and shot him and Christ shot, uh, healed him from that, you know, and said, no, that's, that, that's not the way. So, I'm, you know, look, you can take that for what it's worth. You can interpret that differently. I understand that, but I think that's very powerful though. That's a really, I thought I never saw that scene like that before where it's kind of Jesus kind of abolishing violence in that sense and saying, no, that's not how we do things. And he healed it. He healed his ear. So, but I say that just just to kind of prove that point of like the Bible is is littered with places like that that teach that we are not called to fight violence with violence, but we're called to repay evil with good. I mean, these are just – I'm not even twisting things here. I'm just reading the words out of the Bible, out of a book that we – that Christians agree is the inspired word of God, period. So why this big disconnect? Mind-blowing to me. It, it's, it, it is it's equally my—as as Jerry said, you know, like like he doesn't understand how certain things can be, you know, regarding the president's policies. I don't understand how Jerry can say this stuff and then look at the Bible and say, oh, yeah, I'm totally in line with Scripture because right. he's not.
1: And I think it's people putting things above Scripture, above Christ, above his teachings, and we're letting the world or the world's system—again, another Christianese— Yes. Get in and really change our minds on things. Right. And that's why um, Paul was so strong. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Right. And he wants you to constantly come back. Forget the world system that you're living in. Yes. Corinth, forget the, the society that you're living in. right? Ephesus, don't, think, don't look at the, at the pagan gods that are worshipped around you. Come back and look at the mind of Christ. If you're dwelling in his presence every day, if you're relying on him every day, if you're waiting for the spirit to lead you in his truth every day, you're not going to be as swayed by the world's politics or the world leaders or what's being said on Rush or Hannity or whatever it is. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, the other thing, too, to think about is why is he getting political? Why is Jerry Falwell, you know, getting political? It's funny because... Romans 13 says that that God has people in power for certain reasons, yet the disrespect to the president that Christians have shown the presidency is really mind-blowing. I mean... I've heard Obama called every name under the book. He's never seen any kind of positive light ever, and people are really convinced that he is the freaking Antichrist and that he's here just to destroy America and the American way, American way of life. It's bonkers. I mean, it's it's truly bonkers. But it makes me wonder, like Jerry, why are you even getting political in your address to a college? You're not a political college. You're a college that you teach. The, you're really a theolo- in a sense, you're very you're a theological college because you're a Christian college, and of course, you offer all kinds of degrees. But why are you even getting political? Why even attack the president? Why not be a leader and say, listen, it's okay to disagree, but we still respect the president for who he right. is. He is in, in authority to us uh, over us, and we can definitely disagree. Look, listen, I disagree with things that Obama does for sure. Who doesn't? I mean, everyone agrees with, disagrees with, with, with different people. It's it's the way it is. But why can't we still be respectful? Why aren't we praying for him more than It's really easy to criticize. It's hard to get on your knees to pray for someone that you really don't like. Which you really still hear it.
1: should be something we're doing far more often. Yeah. I mean, even in Christian circles, like I was listening to uh, some messages by a guy the other day, and he was just saying, you know, sometimes you disagree with how the elders, even in your local body, are, are operating. Right. But before you go and criticize them, you should get on your knees and pray for them. Right. And it'll bring your criticism a whole lot more differently if first you spent time praying for them and same with people in authority in a political realm if we were on our knees praying for obama our criticism about him or to him or towards him would be very much different i'm often reminded of jude chapter 3 where it says speak evil of no man <laughs> it doesn't say speak evil of speak evil of no christians right it doesn't say speak evil of no people that agree with you right but the scripture also reminds us that uh Michael the Archangel didn't even speak a word of accusation or railing against the devil himself. And yet here we are, we think we're so holy and righteous right. that we can say Obama he's such a liar, he's such a whatever name we want to throw in there Right. and we think it's okay. Yeah.
0: No, I you're absolutely man. That is it's so spot on, Rob. Absolutely. Um it, it uh yeah, it It's difficult because I don't want to fall into the same trap and come across as this angry, hateful guy towards people that are in the same belief system as me. But at the same time, I'm not going to, I mean, I just can't, I can't take it sometimes. And and it's amazing because Paul was clear about that we're called to judge us, each other inside the church, but not those outside the church. So that's why I have no problem doing this because we're called to hold each other accountable. And guess what? Same goes for me, man. You know, I've been called out. It's, It's happened many a time from people. And I've had to hear it when I was wrong. I've had to change. It's not easy to do. But we're prideful people, man. We are. We're, we're a prideful culture. We don't wanna. We don't wanna back down. That's why Donald Trump will never back down. He'll never. He'll never no. say he's wrong about anything ever. That's why Jerry Falwell, um, when he was asked for clarification, he said, "If I had to say what I said again, I'd say the exact same thing." Right. There's there's no there's no hint of you know well something maybe maybe I spoke out too soon maybe I was wrong. It's just nope. I'm planting my feet. I stand by what I said, and that's the end of it.
1: That's yeah, it would have been it. a lot better if he would have said, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have phrased it like that. <laughs> right, right. Well, he did say that. Hold on, hold on, just
0: to be fair. He did say when he when he referred to those Muslims, he was referring to Islamic terrorists, specifically those behind the attacks in Paris and in San Bernardino. Or, I'm sorry, Bernardino. Um... But that's the only thing I would clarify. If I had to say what I said again, I say the exact same thing. So, right. it's still, just not. There's not an air of just like any kind of like thought behind it. It's just like you know what, it is what it is. I'm standing behind it. That's the end of it. Um, yeah, man. Wow, time. Wow, it's 56 minutes in. Time is flying. <laughs> I wanted to kind of talk about gun control as a as a society. I don't know if we're gonna have time to do that. Um, I don't think we're going to because that's a whole other deep issue, and frankly, that's a little political anyway. Um, that's just one of those things. It's tough for me. I'll just say for maybe the next minute, the next minute or two, gun control is definitely a hard topic because I I don't see more laws fixing any problems because it's really a, it's, it's an evil issue. It's a, it's right. a hard to man issue. It's a mental issue. Um, and I do definitely believe that when you have people who are who know how to use a, a gun? They are much more respectful about it, and they're much more respectful of it as well. So I think that's a good thing. Just making more knowledge around those things. At the same time, banning people from getting a gun who are on the no-fly zone seems sensible to me. I don't right. know why there's some big argument over this. Like if you can't fly in the U.S., why are we going to give you a gun? Right. I don't understand that. You know. And I'm definitely, definitely, I think that any kind of normal regulation is a good thing. If we, if I have to have a driver's license to drive a car. Yeah, I, I should probably, six point of identification right, to get right, my ID. Right, I should probably have some kind of license to, to have a firearm in my house, and I should probably not be crazy. And if I'm on some kind of medication for mental health, I probably shouldn't own a weapon. But anyway, I digress. Right. That's a whole different topic for a whole different time. Um, do you have any closing thoughts here, Rob? Uh, not without getting into a whole host of other issues. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, um, I'm just reading. I'm skimming over. Uh, you know Matt Walsh. Oh, I'm familiar with one that of my uh, one of my favorite Christian bloggers of all time. Anyway, he writes for the Blaze now, which is a pretty right wing news source. They're not they're pretty right wing. All right, they're they're it's Glenn <laughs> Beck. So, um, he wrote um, four insane reasons why liberals admire and romanticize Islam, and he the the, the 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 four points are number one, it it enforces the narrative. All right, I don't know what he's talking about. I mean, he he obviously explains, but two, it makes them feel good. Three, it's all relative and number 4 they hate christianity oh that's so yeah. true <laughs> again you're really bu-
1: you're really building bridges here you know oh, like definitely. man we
0: are just we're really trying to work together on this to come together as a nation and as a people to solve uh, things no d-
1: No polarity, no divisiveness. No.
0: I feel like he really wants to mend things and figure out how do we as humans approach this issue. And, hey, here's some things that Christ talks about as ways to maybe do that. That's what I feel like he's trying to say. Absolutely. But it just gets lost in translation. So you
1: should probably put a comment. So what I gathered from this is you want to work together with the liberals. Right, right.
0: Well, I know what happens. He writes an amazing piece, but then the blaze, they change everything. Yeah. Then they post it it without his permission, for sure. So. Um, anyway so my final thought to all those out there listening first off once again thank you for listening to the podcast our podcast has been growing which is really humbling and awesome because um, we're just two guys and really, really with jordan three guys around random coffee tables right now i don't even know the house i'm in um <laughs> I'm, uh, rob is house sitting, so here i am so whoever you are kind people thank you for letting me use your house oh, but the peters okay thank you um but yeah i mean thank you again everyone for listening my final thought um Just for the Christians out there, just to kind of sum up, it is so important that during this time that we don't feed what the enemy, my enemy, I mean Satan, wants us to do, which is to react out of fear and to make our battle against people when it's so clear in Scripture that our battle is against Um, uh, principalities in spiritual warfare. That's a much more important game than any kind of physical battle could ever be. Um, The words of Jesus are also really clear that we are called to love our enemies and that's a really big pill for me to swallow. It's a tough one, but that's what we're called to do. We're not called to be divisive to the world. We're called to be the opposite. So my challenge to us, uh, myself included, is that we are doing our best to really sift through this really challenging time um, of just extremism and terrorism and just really savage things that are happening and doing our best to respond the way that Christ wants us to respond, not the way that a certain political group wants us to respond, not the way that our flesh wants us to respond, but that we are putting everything through the filter of Jesus and his kingdom because ultimately at the end of the day, we're going to live forever. Like eternity for us really does start now. I really believe that. Um, and it's important that we see that and that Christ wants his desire, the Bible says, is that all men come to know him. All men. That doesn't exclude the terrorists. Right. I mean, I think about Paul. Paul was – or Saul in the, in the Bible, he was a terrorist. He went around terrorizing Christians and killing them. Yeah. That's what he did. So before we're so quick to, to, to kind of cast the first stone, before we're so quick to kind of, you know, act out in disgust or repulse, and it definitely listen, some of the things that, that they're doing are are repulsive, there's no doubt. We have to have that filter of Christ first in the Bible and we have to look there first. So that's kind of my,
1: my final word on all this, you know. And just to to go into the tale of that, Paul he was doing it. Not because he hated Christians, and that wasn't his main reason. It was because he was doing it out of fear of God. That Mm. this this is what my religion is going to teach me to do, because we have to get rid of these people that are going against and defaming God. It's no different than what's going on in the world today.
0: Wow, I never put that together. That's unbelievable. So on that note, I think we should just end it because we're not going to get any better than that. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, again for tuning in. Please like our Facebook page. It's called the Coffee Theology and Jesus Podcast. Share the podcast, subscribe. Let us know what you think. Do you agree, disagree? You can email us at
1: podcast podcast.coffeetheologyandjesus.com
0: or you can write it on our Facebook page. So thanks again, guys. We'll talk to you soon. My work now. Be completed.
1: I love this life that you have given. Calling, our is broken earth. My face is straight from pushing through the dirt. My task is quite simple.